Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 53. Welcome back, my friends, to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, or you're, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business, so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. As small firm architects, we're all wearing so many hats. We have so much going on in our, in our lives, both professionally and personally, both in our families, in our firms. As, as partner in charge of operations at my small firm, Five Cat Studio, I'm wearing many, many hats. I'm CEO, I'm COO, I'm CFO, I'm president, I'm director of architectural services, I'm the architect, I'm the project manager, I'm an office manager, I'm a bookkeeper, I'm a receptionist, I'm a custodian, and that is just what I'm doing at work. Could you imagine all the things that I do with my family? How can we possibly get all the things that we need to do? How do we get them all done? How do we get them done? Well, there's a secret. The secret is you can't. You can't get it all done. You can't get everything done, but you can get the things that matter most. And that's what today is about. Today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm speaking with a new friend of mine, Daniel Hart. Dan is an architect and principal at Park Hill, Smith & Cooper, an architecture and engineering firm located in Midland, Texas. And in addition to his roles in architecture, he's a speaker who presents on how to be more productive, how to get things done, and frankly, how to have a better life as an architect. And I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think this episode may just inspire you to start your own journey toward a better life, getting things done on the things that matter most, and having more time to spend doing the things that you're really meant to do. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of today's episode, I want to let you know that today's podcast episode is brought to you by Entrepreneur Architect Academy. Entrepreneur Architect Academy is a private community of like-minded architects seeking to take their small firms to greater success. Members benefit from having free access to all the products offered by Entrepreneur Architect now and into the future for as long as they are members. 
We also meet weekly on a private video conference where we discuss a new topic of business and dive deep into building a successful small firm architecture studio. This is an opportunity to be a part of a group of professionals who are determined to take their lives, their businesses, their leadership to the next level. And enrollment for membership is currently open for a limited time. So if you're interested, hustle on over, join us at entrearchitect.com slash academy. Dan Hart, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to be here with us. Um, you and I met at the uh, the Texas Society of Architects convention a few weeks back. Uh, I, I uh, attended your presentation, the master, uh, it's called Mastery, Getting Better at Something of Importance. And when I saw that on the list of seminars, you know, my my hair stood up on the back of my neck and I got all excited because this is right up, you know, my alley and this is what I love to talk about. So I had to be there. I had to listen to what you had to say and, and I needed to uh, introduce myself when we uh, when you were finished because I think that you and I are on similar paths with our mission to uh, educate architects on, on just being more successful. Well, I'm so glad you did and I'm so glad we met. It's It's always fun to find a kindred spirit. Yeah, I, I agree. So I'd like to start off by um, by you talking about your your background, your your origin story, um, to, to talk about what inspired you to become an architect and talk about your journey from that point up to where you are today and what you're doing today. Well, Mark, I, I am practicing architecture in West Texas right now, which is um, the western part of the state is a huge area and pretty sparsely populated. And so I think that's maybe a good starting place, and then I can rewind and um, share with you how I came to architecture in the first place. I grew up in a small town in north-central Texas of about 3,000 people. It's a town of wheat farmers, basically, a very rural community. And so I, in my schooling, my junior year in high school, I took a course in plane geometry, and I just, I just, I don't know, I just loved that course. There was just something about it that just, it really connected with me on a deep level, um, and it had something to do with drawing precise shapes, um, but that wasn't all. It was also the the other side of the ledger in that class was um, doing the logical proofs that built one upon another so that you you started with simple proofs and you used those to build to more complex um, proofs. And so it was the that logical reasoning in addition to the precise um, drawings that came out of that, I think, that really appealed to me. And fortuitously, in our textbook, we had each chapter had a little window at the end of the chapter and it said it was something like if you like this chapter you might consider blank as an op- occupation and this one chapter said architect you might enjoy being an architect and I it just went BAM for me <laughs> you know I just I, I just felt like okay I hadn't thought of that before how old were you? Of course you? I didn't I was uh, 15 I was a junior in high school so um, not knowing any architects, not not having any architecture firms in our city, um, no drafting courses offered in my high school. I just went to the library, and in those days it was all card catalogs, and I just thumbed through the card catalogs into the subject of architecture, and we had one book on architecture, <laughs> and it was a biography of Frank Lloyd Wright. So I checked that book out and just devoured it, and uh, there, there was something, I, I think many architects are inspired by his life story, but um, there was his, his humble rural beginnings, I think, appealed to me and, um, and to see what, uh, what he accomplished in his lifetime obviously was an inspiration. But I, I checked that book out multiple times, and when I uh, 
left school, decided to go into architecture and came across a program at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, which is um, about three hours from where I grew up. And they had a program where you could get concurrent degrees in engineering and architecture at the same time. And so going back to the original inspiration of plane geometry, that logical side and the, the more um, pictorial side of things, that left brain, right brain thing really appealed to me. And so that's what that's the degree I ended up pursuing, or both of those degrees, a structural specialization in civil engineering and a, an architecture degree. And um, after I graduated from school, I, um, I found work as a structural engineer as I was uh, biding my time waiting for my soon-to-be wife to graduate, finish her last year of school at Texas Tech. And, and uh, so I did that. I, I wanted to do structural engineering. I thought it was a good foundation for being an architect, but I knew I wanted to be an architect ultimately. And in my firm, uh, which is the firm I'm a principal in now, um, we did both. And so I started as a structural engineer, got registered as a structural engineer, and then moved over to the architecture side. Um, about um, 15 years ago. So um, I'm registered as an engineer, and I'm registered as an architect, and uh, practice now as an architect, um, focusing on religious buildings and, and higher education buildings primarily. But when I was back for break in Seymour, the town I grew up in, um, the the library uh, librarian at the time was a family friend, and apparently there's a law in Texas that if a book does not circulate in the library to a certain extent, then they have to they have to dispose of that book to make room for other books. And so that Frank Lloyd Wright biography apparently was not checked out since I left high school. <laughs> You were the last uh, one on the list. I was the last one on the list, and so I, I she gave me that book. I have, I still have that. Book. Wow, that's great. That's that's a yeah. that's that's a yeah. uh, precious, precious item yeah. to have. Yeah, yeah. There are all kinds of emotions that come up when I open that book now. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. The uh, Frank Lloyd Wright was. Uh, was not only uh, an inspirational architect, but certainly a, 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 an inspirational entrepreneur. Yeah, right, right. And when when uh, last uh, Anne Marie, my wife, who's also an architect, and I visited both Taliesin West and Taliesin, and when you go there and you hear the story of of how and why he created those those places, it was not only to give back to architecture and to teach other students and and to and to get a lot of his work done. Uh, without having to pay employees, but but they were businesses. <laughs> you know, they were they were yeah. they were you know revenue generators for him. It was, uh, it right. was a really amazing thought, especially at the time he was doing it. Yeah, and as I understand that, I think I think the the driving force behind that whole idea of Taliesin was was Olga Ivana, his wife. Yeah, um, and I think it was her her idea of this sort of ideal community. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a brilliant plan. Yeah. It's great. Uh, great inspiration. And to have that book to, uh, to have the actual physical inspiration that, that sort of right. triggered the idea, um, uh, is really special. So right. when, when, um, when we first met, we, we, you were talking about, uh, mastery and you were talking about personal productivity and you were talking about business and, and all the things that so many architects lack and, and aren't taught in schools. Um, what led you to be so interested? Because the presentation was fantastic. Uh, it was very informative and, and tons and tons of resources. Um, if anybody has an opportunity to see Dan give that presentation, don't hesitate to go see it because it, it's uh, well worth the time. Um, what what led you to to that part? Because I mean, architecture and engineering, uh, the story tells that. But what led you to the to the personal development and the business development side of things? Well, I think it. Uh, I think that's a great question. It's it's hard to uh, it's hard to sort out, you know, where these things begin. But I think I think for me. Um, 
I think my real motivation goes back to the nature of my firm, which is a is a firm that began Park Hill Smith and Cooper began in 1945 as a civil engineering firm, and so we have a very strong engineering culture in our firm. Architecture is, is much younger in our firm, but now we enjoy um, the kind of practice where we're half civil engineering and half architecture. So we're not big A, little E, or big E, little A. We're A plus E um, in a real sense. And I think part of my motivation to, um, to, to study deeply into personal productivity, a lot of this comes out of my own desire to share with my colleagues within the firm how to be, um, as David Allen would say in Getting Things Done, how to clear your mind. You know, you have to you have to be really uh, adept at managing uh, all of the open loops around you, so that your mind is cleared. To so you have the space for creativity. There's so many demands on a person's schedule in this fast-paced world. Um, if you're not careful, you can just fritter all of your time away. And as it turns out, the mind is a great place to have ideas, but it's pretty bad, a pretty bad manager. And so my motivation was to try to externalize the system to free up my mind so that I had space and time and, and the uh, kind of the mental energy to do the creative stuff, which is, which is my first love. I mean, it's, it's sort of a backwards, maybe <laughs> backwards uh, motivation because you'd think of a really creative person uh, would maybe not be interested in finding ways to be productive personally. And I think I think that may be a, a ditch a lot of architects fall into. They shy away from those kinds of tools and those kinds of methods and approaches that would actually, I, I think, make them even more creative. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, I, th I, I think many architects uh, they may not in my community i talk to a lot of architects and who are in the position of trying to get to to be more successful and to be more productive and they just struggle with it and i think so many of them don't realize that there are systems and there are tools that help them i think they just you know do what they do and they just focus on their architecture and they don't really go beyond that um so for you it sounds like it was a personal mission to kind of figure out a way to be more productive so you can spend more time on the design end of things, is that right? That's right. That's okay. right. And and again, I think coming out of the culture of my firm, um, what what we value, and you know, again, it's sort of a backwards thing, maybe to most people, most architects experience. But we have a really strong and stable business model as a firm. We're we're a very well-run business. Um, but, of course, as an architect, my interest is to really elevate the level of design excellence. And so uh, I think, again, that's that's coming out of uh, – my motivation comes out of that, you know, the context in which I find myself where we want to do all of those things to have a really fantastic business. Um, and we enjoy the fruits of that at the end of each year. Um, but we also want to be fulfilled in the kind of contributions that we're making to our communities and the um, the kinds of buildings that we give our clients that they that they love that they thrive in that they become their best selves in and so our our growing edge as a firm and from my perspective is to to not lose that stable platform of a an excellent business. But to, to leap off of that platform, I've used the metaphor of an aircraft carrier um, with my colleagues here, that we, we've got this strong, stable, um, formidable, impenetrable kind of uh, platform, but it's time for the jets to take off. It's time for the high-octane activity to take off from that deck, to not lose what we've got, but to, but to use that to really execute our mission, which is to to build community. Uh, our mission statement is to build community by creating inventive and relevant built environments together. So we believe in collaboration, we believe in being inventive, but we, we want it all to be relevant for our clients. Yeah, and the best way to do that is to have a healthy 
profitable business so you can that's right continue You've got to be sustainable yeah yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's that's my mission of teaching and inspiring architects to be more successful from a business point of view so they can go out and be more creative and, and do more architecture my the my the the phrase that i use very often that sort of hits people between the eyes is profit then art so you want to mm. focus on profit first get get the business uh, working and and the systems in place so you can spend more time creating the art and create creating the architecture and do all the things that you love to do and when i say that it sort of sends chills up the spines of architects when you say profit then art because they they think profit is this this negative thing that if you're focused on profit, then the art will suffer. But my, my argument is that your art will thrive when you have a profitable business. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I think there's an odd, there's an odd sort of snowball effect with clients too, that they, when they come to respect you as a business owner, I think it gives you more freedom in the creative realm as well. So I think I think there's motivation on on all fronts to be um, to be a really a really well run practice. Yeah. So um, in terms of personal productivity, so it's I my audience is small firm architects, um, many many sole proprietors, many many small firms, leaders of small firms. They're wearing you know ten or twelve different hats, trying to keep everything together, and that's just on the business side. You know, never mind. You know, integrating their their personal lives and their families with their firms and all the hats that that the, that side of your life requires. Um, what are a few things that that small firm architects can do to be more productive? Well, I think I think it starts with. Um, well, I think it depends on your personality where it starts. Um, and you and I talked about this just a bit. Uh, when we first met, the the notion of uh, two books that have been really influential to me in terms of personal productivity or getting things done by David Allen and um, the First Things First by Stephen Covey, which was a follow-on book after his uh, seven, seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It was one of those seven habits that he developed into an entire book. But those two books have been really influential to me. And uh, I see Covey and Allen as these gurus of personal productivity, personal leadership. And they both have been really influential to me, but they come at this same question from, um, from different ends of the proposition. Covey is sort of up in the clouds. He's, uh, he's this big picture, abstract kind of thinker. And um, I think of the, of the painting, Raphael's The School of Athens, where you have um, Aristotle and Plato, his teacher, in the center of this, of this great painting. And Plato is gesturing upwards at uh, the platonic ideal, the big idea, the big picture. And that, to me, that's, that's Covey. And next to him is the student, Aristotle, who's gesturing downward and, and looking downward, and, and he's more about the details. He's the Aristotelian detail. Um, that he, he, he started from the details and worked his way up to the big picture, and Plato started with the big picture and worked his way down to the details. You've got to be able to, you've got to, be able to manage the details while you keep the big picture in mind. I, I found that it's it's helpful for some people, depending on their personality, to start with the big picture, which is, what's my purpose for being on this earth? You know, what why am I here? What are my what are those gifts that I have um, that are of use to society? What what's my calling? What's my purpose? Um, and for some people, that just shuts them down. You know, your personality might be a more detail-oriented person. And in that in that case, David Allen might be your guy to start with what he says, which is you start at the runway. You've got to clear clear your mind of all those details on, at the runway level so that you can take off. And then he talks about, you know, the runway are those things that you do, that you can do, tangibly do. And then at 10,000 feet, those are projects, which are a collection of those details, those next actions. And then he moves all the way up to 50,000 feet altitude, which is your purpose in life. 
I have found both of those guys to be helpful, and there are days when I'm uh, when I come at an issue from the big picture standpoint, what are we really trying to accomplish here? And there are days when I just got to attack the next detail and work my way up in in altitude. One one writer that's been really influential to me from a spiritual formation side is, is a uh, an author named Frederick Frederick Beekner, and when when we talk about purpose, I've, I've been influenced by his statement that we find our calling at the intersection between our deepest passions and the world's greatest need. Um, and so, I think uh, when you when you're talking about finding purpose, you and you're talking about having a viable business, you've got to not only look at what makes you tick and what what you're excited about doing. But you also have to look around you and say, what do people need? What what do I have that's of, of value to the to the market? Or what does society need to look at it even broad more broadly? And you've got to have both of those things to really be viable in practice and in life, and, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, all of that to say, <laughs> I think I went a long way around your question, but. All of that to say, one of the things that I found to be really useful, if you're of a personality, to start with the big picture especially, Stephen Covey has an exercise in that First Things First book that encourages you to look at your roles in life and encourages you to find seven to ten things that you do. And I think for us that practice architecture, there are things like, you know, especially in a smaller firm, your chief marketer, your chief designer, your Chief production um, captain, your right. uh, you know your chief invoicer. So you know I think you it's helpful to find those roles in life, and then they also include things that you do outside of your practice. You know you might might be a husband and 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 or a father or a brother, or you might be a um, have a, a circle of friends that are important to you, but. You might be the president of the Lions Club. You know, all of those things that you're serving some role uh, might be serving to a professional organization in some capacity. And so I've developed uh, a series of roles in my life, and then that becomes um, that becomes an organizing. Those roles become an organizing structure for me. All of my personal files are structured under those seven roles. Um, uh, my Outlook system getting things done system and outlook using tasks and categories is all outlined by those seven roles. My calendar is color-coded to those seven roles so I can look at my week and see, you know, which which of the seven roles am I neglecting this week? What am I not thinking of in terms of who I who I say I am? Um, so that that might be a place to dive in for some people is to really ask the question about purpose and roles in life and try to get a handle on what's most important to you. Because if you're not intentional about that, you're going to end up spending a lot of time doing things that, that maybe are not that important to you. Yeah, I that is a great tip to to not only select your roles, to, to really understand your purpose and to understand who you are and and you know, because you are so many different roles. But right. then to, to use those roles across the board in everything that you're doing, and so it, it, it becomes integrated into your life that you're that you are these roles, and rather than letting these roles happen, you know, uh, without any intention to actually set out to make sure each one of those roles are being cared for and being developed, and and you're growing in each one of those those aspects of your life. That's exactly right, and I think I think you've hit on something that's really important. You know this. This kind of personal productivity work, it's possible to read a book and be, or hear a presentation and be really inspired by it and to tuck it away and not do anything with it. And so I think the real key to it is to find ways to make, to make it um, a real part of your everyday life so that you're touching those things um, in as many possible, as, in, in as many ways possible as you can. So that they're they're real. They're not, you know, just when I get a chance, when I get when I have time, when I finish these projects, I'm going to really figure out what my purpose is. You know, right. <laughs> rather find ways to and and the roles are are a really valuable way I've found that to, to do just that, integrate that into daily life. And then if we if we take that to the next 
to the next step. How do you, or do you have any specific tools that you would recommend to take those roles and to use them? You know, it's nice to have that and to understand how that works and everybody can kind of use that to create their own systems. But do you have any specific tools that you recommend that small firm architects could, could, uh, could use to help organize those roles? In terms of discovering them or in terms of actually utilizing them? Utilizing them. Once you, once you know what they are, yeah. um, how, yeah. do you, how do you organize them so, they, so you can use them to be more productive? Right. Well, I, I, think, um, I, I think one thing that's really important to understand is that all of us, I think, I think this is true for everybody, we, we have good intentions and we, we, we fall short of what we intend to be and to do um, on a regular basis. And so I think one of the things that I, I've found some comfort in is to just recognize there are going to be seasons in your life. You know, there, there are times when if, if you're working on a really intense project, um, chief designer is going to be your dominant role as a small practitioner especially, you know, until that project is, is done. Um, and it's, it's, it's important to me to not... Um, to be conscious of all of the ways I want to be a well-rounded human being, but to not beat myself up too much, just recognizing there are times that I'm going to have to be focused on one role more than the others. Um, but as I said, I, my, my filing system, this is not, uh, we, we have, as our, in our practice, we have our whole project files and all of those kinds of things that are community files, but my personal files in my office, um, are all labeled the first the first designator on my on every file label is one of those roles of mine so you look through my filing system and, and it goes um, from role zero for me which I call disciple it has to do with taking care of myself you know mind body soul and spirit um, so things like exercise and things like um, the intellectual stimulation books that I'm reading, things like that would fall under that zero role. Um, uh, role one for me is being a husband and father. And so, you know, anything that I need to file away or keep or reference for later um, will have a one next to it that's under that role. And so um, my filing system in my office is the same filing system that I have in my home office so that those files can go back and forth interchangeably. Um, I usually, there's certain files I need to reference in my office on a regular basis and the rest are at home in my home office. Um, but getting into the professional side, I have, I, my, I basically look at my professional, actually being in architect roles as process, practice, and design. Those are the three basic areas that I spend my time in. Practice is doing all of the things that we need to do to have a viable business that has to do with um, marketing, bringing work in the door, to sending invoices out and billing, to um, uh, making sure that the lights are on, you know, and the personnel issues that are taken care of. That's, that's practice for me. And then process is uh, those processes that we have to actually execute the work that we do. So that's things like um, standards and Revit. That's things like um, quality control. We call our quality control square one. Um, it's uh, those quality review crit sessions that we have periodic places in the in the li life of a project. Those are all process oriented things. And then design, of course, is self explanatory. That's the that's the real brains work. Um, that we need to do. So I think from a tangible sense, to answer your question, I think um, having your filing system along those um, different kinds of roles um, is, a, is a real reminder of who you want to be as a person. And then I also, I also organize, I uh, mentioned this earlier, my calendar. I use Outlook and I organize my calendar and, and in Outlook you can, you can designate your own categories. And I usually use the week, week at a glance view and outlook. 
and it's a really powerful thing because I can see each of my roles have a different color, and I can see at a glance in a very graphic way how much of each color <laughs> I've got in that week, you know. And so uh, today happens to be my daughter's 16th birthday, and you know, so there's a a golden color on today for her birthday just to remind me that I'm her father, you know. And so as much as I've got going on, um, that's something I might not think about regularly if it wasn't on my calendar. And and that's another thing. I think some people find a lot of success with dividing their sort of personal life and personal issues from their professional life. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people and read people that, that have success with that. I just, I can't function that way. I have to think about life holistically. And so everything I do is all in one system, personal and professional. I don't, I don't make a distinction because it's all my life. You know, I need to, I need to be conscious of all of those different areas. Yeah. I, I think time. that's, that may be one of the things that, that is starting to change. I think a lot of small firm architects, and I know in my community, it's something that I talk about a lot. I talk about work-life balance, but I don't talk about it right. in terms of balance. I talk about it as work-life integration, that, right. that especially small firm architects who, who many of us have our firms in our homes. And so right. it's unrealistic right. to think that you know, your work and your life are gonna be these two separate things. Right. It's all one thing. It's it is holistic. It is all who you are, and and um, it should be one master calendar, and it should be you know uh, you know your 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 meetings might be uh, going to your son's you know nursery school play to make right. sure that you're there, and it's equally important as the meeting that you have with your client. And if you put it on that same calendar and your client wants to meet at that time, you can say, no, I have another meeting. If you had another meeting with another client, that would be no problem to schedule another client at a different time. Uh, it should not be any different with our families. That I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, yeah. Um, this is, this is uh, we could go on and on and on, <laughs> you and I, because I think that uh, we have uh, many of the same passions. Um, but I don't want to take your whole day up uh, with with our conversation today. I would say, uh, is there? It, you've I was I was going to ask you about your favorite books, but I think that the books that you recommended, "Getting Things Done" and "First Things First are excellent books uh, that that architects can refer to. And I love the way that you presented them. That more detail oriented people, "Getting Things Done" may be the one that you want to. You would definitely want to read both. Um, but but getting things done may be more uh, more appropriate for people who who need the details who need the system, um, right. and and the first things first is great for that you know inspiration and that kick in the butt to kind of get you motivated and and to and to get you excited about life um, and to kind of bring the two together uh, and find a place in the middle that works for you because that's what I've done when I read getting things done. It overwhelms me. There's yeah. there's so much there. There's so much. You know, if if I try to you know, to to systematize my life to that detail of a level, it would be fantastic. But I don't know if I could do it. Um, and first things first, it's one of my favorite books. And the Seven Habits is one of my favorite books. And and I just right. love Covey. I love the inspiration. I love the feeling. It's 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 one of the first um, books that sort of got me excited about about uh, business and self-improvement. I had uh, um, uh, his whole series of, of audio tapes on cassette in my car and that right. I used to, that's all I listened to. I would just pop them in. I would listen to them over and over and over again. And when I hear him talking, it gets me excited. Even to today when I hear a video or, or right. listen to his voice, it, it's just so motivating. He's so, such an inspiration. And so the two together is such a great, a, a powerful combination. Um, Let's wrap up. If if you have, would you have one thing? Let's say one thing that small firm architects could do today. Something that that's simple but is is powerful um, that they can do today to to move themselves toward being more productive and to be more successful. Uh, do you have something like that to just sort of get the ball rolling to get the the motivation to to move? Because once you once you start, 
then the rest of it starts to get a little bit easier. It's hard, it's hard to get started. So if you have something that somebody could do other than just get started um, that, that uh, architects could do? Well, again, I would, I, would advise, I would advise an architect to start in one of two places, and I think it's based on your personality. And I think, I think most people know this about themselves, and you can, you can decide which place you want to start. But if, if, you're a, if you like to start with the big picture, you like to know why, why we're doing this first before you get into doing something, um, then I, I love, and, and I can't remember, Mark, maybe you do, um, if it's in First Things First or in Seven Habits, but there's a, at the back of the book, there's a personal mission statement um, exercise workshop that you can do on your own. And if, if you're inclined that way, I, I would start by just setting an appointment with yourself for um, a day that where you can go somewhere, maybe to your local library or some or the community college, somewhere where you can be apart from the overstimulation of regular life and just give yourself that gift of a day to work through that workshop and, and try to discover what your, what your purpose is if you haven't done that before. Um, and then if you, if you can get so far as to define your roles, again, I find that to be a very valuable way to inject my big, big capital P purpose into everyday life. Um, so if you're that kind of person, I would, I would start with that workshop. Um, that involves a commitment, make, as I said, making an appointment with yourself and keeping it because there's so many things that tend to get in the way of this kind of thinking that you're, you're probably not inclined to do it unless you're really intent on it. On the other end of the spectrum, on the David Allen side, if you're, if you're a detail guy and you can't, you can't, you can't even begin to think about why I'm on this planet because I have so many things that are <laughs> that are that are crowding my mind right now. Um, there's a there's a two day kind of similar workshop in David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, where he just walks you through all of your stuff. You know, you sit in your office and he has you corral all of your stuff, all of those things that are open loops, things that you know your mind knows you need to do. Um, but you, for one reason or another, haven't been able to get to them yet. And all of that creates this kind of mental static and this kind of mental frenzy that keeps you from thinking abstractly and thinking bigger. And so if, if you find yourself in that kind of frenzy, maybe, again, it, it requires, um, he recommends to set aside a weekend of two days and just walk through this tickler list of everything that's in your life and and what you end up doing, and most people I think have experienced this, what you end up doing is making a list. That's, that's it at its basic essence. And once you get that, that list on a piece of paper, then you, he's got a lot of sophisticated ways that you can categorize that. But the key is to not make it any more complicated than it has to be. He talks about this should be a system that you can work when you have 102 fever have the flu and 102 fever it shouldn't be on my ideal day when everything's going just right this is this is the system i use it shouldn't be that complicated you know it should be simple um, and the basic idea is get it out of your mind onto a piece of paper and then you you you've got to you've got to go back and review that list on a periodic basis so that your mind doesn't try to take those things back over again so without getting into the whole system here today um I think that would be a really tangible exercise for somebody that's detail-oriented to look at that workshop. I think, I think a lot of people get shut down. They, they enter into paralysis. They get overwhelmed with these kinds of things. They have good intentions. Maybe they set that appointment for themselves. And I think the, the thing that most people, uh, the mistake most people make is that they try to do too much all at once. And so I guess my... My last bit of advice would be to start very simply. Take on one or two things that you know you can do on a regular basis, and you're not gonna. It's not gonna be a perfect um, system that that solves all the problems in life, but you're you know you're making progress, and you know. And then it, it, as you take those on, they become routine. Take on a couple other things 
to to start simply, but to do, you know, be sure and start. Get going with something and, and just know that you're making progress. And know, you know, it's I think it's helpful. It's helpful to know where you're headed and what what you're going to accomplish, which for me, as we started this conversation today, for me, my motivation is um, the better I am at taking care of all of my regular obligations, the more time I'm going to have for quality time and design and to do what I really love to do. That's a pretty big motivator for me. Or, you know, I'm going to have quality time to spend with my kids and my wife, you know, um, if, if if these things can, if I can just set this straight, I'm not going to be distracted when I'm when I'm doing something else that's really important to me. Yeah, that's excellent advice. You know, so so I would say to to the listeners out there, who who uh, who have us in their earbuds right now and listening, go to your calendar right now and schedule a day in the future. Put it on your calendar right now that you're you're, and I would say do it during the week because the weekends for small firm architects are so often dedicated to family take a day and schedule a day that you're going to do this and you're going to you're going to decide your roles and you're going to buy these books and you're going to decide which side you're on whether you're more detailed or more big picture and then and then find those those workshops i'm going to have links to both of those books on the on the show notes at at entrearchitect.com slash episode 53 and and pick a workshop and spend the day doing that workshop and that will get you started that'll get you get you your roles and it'll get you motivated at least give you give you some momentum to get things uh to get things done and to to start creating this system and i totally agree with dan i i often say uh with with business plans as well start really simple just start with ideas start with this personal productivity just start with your roles then do a workshop and then just do the first step. And then once you get that, you'll start creating a small little system. It doesn't, don't go in with this, okay, I gotta create this big system and it's gonna run my life. Start yeah. with the roles, start with your list, and then just let the ball roll and it'll happen. It'll happen slowly and it will happen intentionally. And you'll start being more productive and you'll be happier. Your life will be better because you'll be able to get to the things that you really wanna get to, whether it's design and creating better architecture or you want to spend more time with your family and your kids, this is the way that you can do it. So, Dan, I really appreciate your time and all of the knowledge that you've presented today. Uh, it's, it's really great. I could go on for hours more talking about this kind of stuff. But I, uh, I appreciate your time very much, and I appreciate you for, for being here today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's been, it's been fun for me, too. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a review. This is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our mission to become an influential force in the profession. Go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes or in iTunes, just search for Entrepreneur Architect. You'll find me. And remember, enrollment for membership for Entrepreneur Architect Academy is currently open for a limited time. It's only gonna be a short time, so if you're interested, Go to entrearchitect.com slash academy and come join us. I think you'll like it. So that's a wrap on episode number 53. Show notes with links for all the books and all the resources that Dan and I spoke about today will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 53. And until next week, my name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. Thanks for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris 
owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.